You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer for fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another fun episode coming at you where we're going to talk about a season of television that happened this past year. And this week, it's going to be Supergirl season three. But before we talk about that, let's meet our guests for this week. So first off, he hails from the islands of the Pacific and from his own little tiki hut, and that's my buddy, Michael Gordon. How are you doing, Mike? Howdy! I'm glad to be back. And ooh, it's you know, there's it's brighter uh, when we're not talking about Gotham, right? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, this is kind of the yin and yang of the DC the shows, sun. isn't it? Because <laughs> I don't think you can get further from Gotham than Supergirl, so... Uh, yeah, not much, not much. <laughs> right. But it's still good stuff, I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Mike, what's been going on for you since the last time you were on? Oh, you know, just keeping busy. We are uh, uh, we are in mode to uh, get ready for all things Dragon Con, so has a new book coming out and all that kind of fun stuff that goes with it. All right, yeah. So besides the book, any other any other stuff uh, lined up for Dragon Con? That's enough. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. I I had I originally had three books, and now it looks like I'll be lucky if I can just get one of them done. So mm. yeah, it's uh, I always start strong and end uh, the night before. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you had any panels you were going to you wanted to uh, to talk about or anything like that. Well, I mean, we don't have the panel schedule yet, uh, but um, I, I do know that we are doing another Tiki Pop Art panel. This will be the third uh, year in a row that we're doing that. Great fun. Standing room only last year. It was awesome. So I'm looking forward to that. Plus, you know, with Earth Station 1 and Earth Station Who, the, the, the panels keep me busy as well as my table. So there's there's no end of things to do at Dragon Con. That is true. Uh, I, I, uh, when I was there that I pretty much felt like I need to split into, you know, four or five different me's to, to go and do whatever, everything I wanted to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I often, I often say that, uh, one of the reasons why I, I have as, as few hairs on my head as I do is I keep switching hats. Hmm. Yeah, I gotcha. Well, um, it's good to have you on uh, again, Mike, and, uh, I hope that people do check you out at DragonCon. Absolutely. Thank you, man. You're welcome. And next up, uh, he is the guy that uh, comes to you from the rocks. <laughs> he always has a, has a drink in his hand, and that is James. How are you doing, James? Oh, my God. I definitely have a drink in hand today. <laughs> and what are you drinking today? Uh, I'm just I'm drinking my favorite, actually. It's a, a Glenfiddich 
15 uh, year uh, Solera blend. Uh, so it's from their Solera Reserve. It's got a wonderfully smooth finish. I love it. Yeah, you've mentioned that one before. I recognize the name. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm getting ready to go on vacation here. So uh, as of Friday uh, of this, whatever week this happens to be, I'm going on vacation for a couple of weeks. Go visit some family out in Montana. And so I was like, you know what? I got two more days. I might as well. And I'm doing a podcast. So of course I'm drinking anyway. So why not? <laughs> Are you pairing the podcast or with the uh, with the drink? Yeah, I mean, I like I was trying to pair booze with my own podcasts uh, for a time. Even like like written reviews I was doing for games. And the best I could come up with when I played like a really crummy game is I'd be like, just go drink a Coors Light and be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's beautiful so, but i have found that like when it's like a good game i'm like oh man there's just too many good like beers and whiskeys and other alcohols to try to like figure out i i don't i don't know i started really struggling so i was just like i don't maybe i should just review bad games and pair bad beers to bad games i don't know <laughs> that's great i still think you should go to gamestop sometime and just ask the guy behind the counter about what drink would go with the game That'd be the best. Just like, what would you recommend? Like a nice Merlot, a rosé, maybe something harder? If you ever do that, let me know how it goes. (laughs) I'll I'll just record it. Why not? Sure. No, that'd be great. So, uh, besides going on vacation, anything else been going on for you lately? Um, no, I mean, just, you know, living the dream. It's just, uh, every day I'm hustling. No, um, I, I've been, uh, I actually picked up a Nintendo Switch not too long ago, and I've really been loving it. It's actually, like, my go-to system right now. It's been a long time, because when you play, like, a PlayStation, like, the PlayStation generation, like, so PS3, PS4, Xbox 360, or Xbox One, it's all about the trophies or the achievements, and I have found in my years that having that motivation is nice. It is nice to have a goal, but some of those goals are really, like, stupid, where, like, it's like, (laughs) hey, get a trophy for collecting 10 boxes from, like the most discreet areas within the game. And you're like, oh, cool. And that's like a high level trophy. And they're like, no, it's bronze. And you're like, oh, cool. So I put in a whole lot of energy for something that's not very important. All right. (laughs) So it's been nice to go back and play games. Like I just finished up uh, a JRPG or Japanese RPG for those listening that may not know. And uh, it's called Xenoblade Chronicles 2. And while it is the most involved game in terms of micromanagement for so many different things it's almost it's annoying to a degree um i finally just wrapped it up i put in over 100 hours on the game and like i loved it like i was like this is a solid story it was nice to just kick back and play a game to play a game and not like get focused on trophies or anything like that at all it was just fun to play awesome yeah i just uh, completely on the other end of the gaming spectrum i picked up an nes classic yeah a couple weeks ago because they're available now kids (laughs) (laughs) it only took like two what two three years for them to really be available but a year and a half from when they yeah from the very brief period that they (laughs) sold them before so yeah yeah so yeah i went down to my local walmart and i couldn't find them and so i asked the guy in the electronics section do you have any nes classics oh yeah they're in back So we like, hide them. We don't yeah, want anybody to know we have them. You have to know the secret handshake. But <laughs> I got one. <laughs> nice. Yep, yep. So that's fun because I don't want my kids playing on my actual NES because, you know, it's vintage and... Right? You know, I was like, the more I thought about it, the more it was like, you know, really don't want my kids messing with a, with a piece of hardware that, that that's that old. You know? <laughs> 
<laughs> all I can imagine, Nathan, is you as Gollum, just like, my precious. That's <laughs> <laughs> eh, probably not too far, actually. <laughs> but yeah, no, so I, you know, as always, I am the retro gamer. Of course. But <laughs> it's good to have you back on, Joe. Good to be back. All right. And finally, from the furthest reaches of the solar system, out from beyond Pluto, comes Ryan Guthrie. How are you doing, Ryan? I mean, I, I think I'm good, but I think you mean out beyond Neptune, you know, no, the last planet no, in the, in no, the from beyond Pluto. <laughs> no, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> we have pictures and everything. No, anyways. <laughs> so, uh, what's been going on for you, Ryan? Well, you know, in like the three days since the last time uh, I recorded, not a lot. Okay. Um, I, I shaved once, so my beard is gone. There's that. Has your work situation gone completely normal? It's getting there. I mean, I worked a 12-hour day today, but I have tomorrow off. So, you know, that's why I'm excited to do this podcast, because I can stay up late and sleep in tomorrow. Oh, that's always great. So are you going to put in for that supervisor position? Nah, I mean, it it would be a lateral. It would be a a promotion and title only. There wouldn't be any pay uh, raise or anything like that. So, you know, it's like, oh, here, you get a you get a title, but you're going to it's just a different department. Same thing. So, you know, it's like, no, I'll I'll stay where I'm at. Thanks. Plus, I get to wear jeans now. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) wherever you can get your perks in your job. You know, my my uh, way back in the day, back in the nineties, I worked at Barnes and Noble, and I worked there when you had still had to wear the guys had to wear ties, and so literally two days after I turned in my notice is when the company ch- changed their policies, <laughs> so you didn't have to wear ties anymore. <laughs> Pissed me off. Oh. I didn't go back to Barnes and Noble for like three years. After that. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of my first job after college, where it was the company had a policy that you didn't, you know, you got your two weeks of vacation, but only after you had worked there for the full year. But then you got the full two weeks. It wasn't like, uh, you know, you accrue slowly over the year or anything like that. And so I swear, like the month after I finally got my two weeks, they changed to a prorated system (laughs) where it was like, you know, hires, you know, like based on the calendar year and best based on when the year you were hired, you got your percentage of the two weeks vacation, like right away to use. And it was like, oh man, you know, because that's the thing. My wife and I, we put off the wedding because we (laughs) wanted to have like a significant honeymoon, you know, until I had been working, until I finished the year you know the working there and got my two weeks so it was really annoying because it's like yeah we wanted to get married like the year before but <laughs> so you know your your job ruined your wedding yeah For, yeah okay i can say that i don't work there anymore so yeah we can say that <laughs> sure why not <laughs> if they're listening you know <laughs> screw you guys you know? <laughs> yeah well, it's uh, it's good to have you back on, Ryan. It's, it's good to be back. I'm going to start binging some TV real soon. <laughs> yeah, like, um, you haven't even watched The Gifted yet, have you? No, I haven't watched The Gifted, but you know, that's I think that that and... Uh, is Legion on season two now? Yes. Have they done season... Okay, those are the only two Marvel shows I'm behind on. Well, and in humans, but I'm probably never going to get around to that one. <laughs> oh, God. I promise you're not missing yeah, anything. Yeah, you're not missing yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> unless you really need more disappointment in your life if you're missing out on more disappointment then absolutely <laughs> i mean i'm a completionist of the worst sort and yet i have no desire you know so are you keeping up with cloak and dagger i'm about three episodes behind oh okay that's interesting and uh and and were you keeping up with black lightning no, that's not a Marvel show. No, that's the well, only... No, no, uh, I know, but I was just curious, uh, in addition oh, no. to the Marvel it's, stuff. It's in my queue. I am planning on watching it, but I haven't... That's the only uh, CW show 
Well, the only Berlanti it's like show It's up. like all the really great shows are the ones you're holding off on. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are you talking about? I'm caught up on Supergirl. Damn right, it. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, moving right along, then. <laughs> All right, as anyone who's been listening for a while knows, we come to our next segment, which is Five Minute Controversy. And the Five Minute Controversy is just a way for us to get kind of loosened up before we dive into our topic, and also give you, the listener, just a little bit of a window into the way we think. So, <laughs> this week, kind of teeing up off of the last episode, where I talked about the James Gunn firing, but this time we're not going to talk about whether or not he should have been fired, this time we're going to talk about, it's happened, who would you like to see direct Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? So, let's start with James, and then go Ryan, then Mike. Taika Waititi. Yeah. That was, he, he would definitely be the spiritual successor, wouldn't he? Yeah, I mean, after you see Thor Ragnarok, like, you can see a lot of similarities in just the humor style between, like, what is kind of Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok. The fact that, like, when we saw Infinity War Part 1... <laughs> that uh, very much like even Thor right after coming off of Ragnarok, like his interaction with the Guardians, like he seemed to just like flow and fit right into it after all that character building from Ragnarok. So yeah, I mean, I, I think Taika, A, I like all of Taika's work. Everything I've seen him do as a director, as a writer, I've loved. I think he's got a great sense of humor. He seems like a really interesting guy to work with. And people just about everybody I've heard of that's talked about working with Taika has been like, he's an amazing guy. Like he's awesome. Like I just, I, he's so much fun on set and we just love having a director. That's just this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. No, I I really want to, I want to see more of his character from Thor Ragnarok. I want to see him bring that character into guardian somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I totally expected somebody to bring up Taika because that is, I mean, of the of the directors who have worked for Marvel, and it's clear because, I mean, he even had James Gunn come on set at Ragnarok and help him out somewhat. So there's a relationship between the two of them anyway. I, so, yeah, I, I I think that if, if you know, you just want to stay the course, I think he would be the logical choice. For sure. So, Ryan, what about you? Do you have uh, any thoughts besides Taika Waititi? Well, I think that's the kind of the... I won't say it low-hanging fruit, but that's like the... (laughs) The uh, obvious choice, just as as mentioned, is in the spirit, in the vein. I mean, I guess you could go for something completely different since you have that opportunity. It's a question of, do you want an imitation that succeeds or do you want to just kind of a clean break so to speak with that i mean it's still gonna be james gunn's script so there's you know no getting around that and it's gonna be the same cast so uh and and really i'm fine with all of that obviously not a big deal so i i don't know i mean i you know i'm racking my head just real quick you know off the top of my head name name some directors you know and i mean if you want to stick to marvel i i think uh john favreau would be okay but he i don't know if he'd be my first choice uh, I feel like... And we don't have to stick with directors who have worked for Marvel. You can pull no, out anyone no, you want to. I want to jokingly say, you know, Ron Howard, because he's the guy you call in to clean up. Oh, someone wants to start something. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
I mean, I can say the same thing with Joss Whedon, you know, so right. whatever, you know. But I don't know, just, you know what, if I if I have this omnipotent power, I'm going to just, I'm going to pick Terry Gilliam. What okay. the hell? Because you know? <laughs> I think that would be an awesome movie. That's, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's what I never thought of. So there yeah. you go. That's, <laughs> that is, yeah, yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, what about you? Well, yeah, I mean, look, uh, I would rather see Taiko actually direct Guardians 3 more than I would have had him direct Ragnarok. Yes, I said that out loud. <laughs> yeah, I listened to the ESO episode of Thor Ragnarok. I, I know where you're coming from, Mike. <laughs> but because he seems a lot more suited to that sort of style of filmmaking, which is great. I mean, I, I think that's perfect. And But I, I mean, obviously, anybody else who I can think of is going to bring their own, you know, would bring their own elements to it. And it's almost a disservice, right? Because James has already done a lot of the work. And so are you going to bring someone in just to, you know, try to give us a James Gunn light type effort? Or do you bring someone else in and say, well, we know you've got a vision, Edgar Wright, but we're not going to, you know, you can't, you can't go full Edgar Wright mode on this because it's, it's it's got its own sort of style right now that you have to adhere to. By the way, if they asked Edgar Wright, I think No Way in Hell would probably be part of what he said to them. Probably, yeah. It's like, yeah, now you come begging. <laughs> yeah, based on some of his comments that I've read about Marvel. No, no I agree. I you know, I just I I, I think. Well, and that just comes with frustration for me because I think Edgar Wright would be perfect to do a superhero movie at some point. I mean, he's already done one, kind of, but I mean, a re- like, like you know, play around. But I think, yes, he's that that bridge with Marvel has been burned, burned, and and just yeah, everything else you can think of, burned, buried, drowned, shot into space, into well, the sun. When, when you spend ten years on a project and then have it pulled out, you know, yeah. at the last minute. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I'm not really up on, you know, great comedic directors, you know, that, you know what? Here, I'll throw this out. Just uh, just, uh, I'll throw this out because he seems to be able to just get like, just do a job. And if you're looking for a guy who just is going to do a job because he did direct about, I think, three episodes of Supergirl, or at least a couple episodes of Supergirl and one epi- and a couple episodes of Flash this season. Oh, I know where you're going. But let's get Kevin Smith. Why not? Just bring <laughs> Kevin Smith. He'll just keep the boat going as like he'll steady as she goes, and like he does with Supergirl or his TV shows. And you know he's fine. Yeah, you, you know that's that's actually a really good choice. I know that since you know after the Green Hornet project, you know, and and how he he left that, he said before that he can't do big budget Hollywood. So I don't know if he f- would feel like he could do that. But yeah, that's that's one other one that I hadn't thought of that I think would actually be a, a really good. Uh, really I will good say this: if they are afraid of past things coming to haunt them, Kevin Smith might not be your best pick. <laughs> that's. T- <laughs> another good point <laughs> i mean granted we know a lot of everything that i mean kevin smith is kevin smith he's always been kevin smith so he hasn't hit anything and not that james gunn was hiding anything either but it just seems like yeah disney working with kevin smith doesn't seem like it would really work either no i can see that too yeah i think whoever's gonna come in is gonna have to take a drug test <laughs> Might get to that point because you know what's going to happen now. All the people who are upset that James Gunn was fired, any anyone that they pick is going to go through like a microscope 
right? Oh, yeah. You know, for people to find anything so that they can cry hypocrisy. You know, like, how are you letting this guy work for you when he's done X? Yeah, so on the application it says, how long have you had a Twitter account? <laughs> and if the answer is, what's Twitter? You're hired. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so along those lines, so I'm going to go I'm gonna go on a slightly different tack than everybody else took, because I thought about this for a while, and it's no secret that I'm not a huge fan of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I think they're way too silly. I think that the best outing for those characters has been Infinity War, because they're silly characters, but at least Infinity War itself was serious, and that's more of what I would like to see is, you know, not to just for things to just be random and silly to for the sake of being random and silly, but just having fun characters in a serious story. And so just thinking about it, I think uh, Kenneth Branagh is not necessarily a bad pick because the first Thor movie was really fun and was really funny, but it also had a really great storyline to it and it had, uh, you know, a, a serious, you know, feel to it. So, you know, I know everyone's going to be like, that's crazy, but I kind of like the idea of Kenneth Branagh's Guardians of the Galaxy 3. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going to throw out there. I'll take it. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that I thought that people were gonna be like, "You can't. That's that's awful." <laughs> well, I, I think it's. I kind of feel that way, like I, like as I did about John Favreau. It's. I, I don't know if I'd say it's playing it safe. I, I think it's. They could do it, but uh, uh, I I don't think it would be knocking it out of the park. You know, with anything new or revolutionary. I while uh, you were talking though, I thought of another director that I think I I wouldn't mind see doing it because it would be a complete tonal shift. But I think the characters and setting would be perfect for him, and it'd also be a test run for his other rumored project, and that's uh, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that one, and I wondered if anyone was going to pick it. <laughs> that's that's true. Yes, I think that definitely Quentin Tarantino could do a take on Guardians yeah. with those characters, <laughs> and yeah, I think it would be interesting, certainly. But if Disney's worried about image. <laughs> Yeah, but the thing about Quentin Tarantino is, huh. well, with the, with the one possible exception that comes to mind, it's kind of all out there already, right? Mm. You know, I don't think there are going to be any surprises uh, where he's concerned. Uh, no, I say true. that, you know, but I guess the very fact that I can't say that because a surprise is by definition, you know, surprising. Right, yeah. You don't know You don't know what, what hasn't been made public yet. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> All right, so yeah, that's that. We got some interesting responses on this one. I never would have thought of either Terry Gilliam or um, or Kevin Smith. So uh, I think this this was kind of uh, interesting. So thanks, guys. Yeah, this is. Uh, <laughs> I always like it when the controversies turn up something I wasn't expecting. But uh, now let's go on to our topic for this week. But before we do that, let's pause for a promo from another fine podcast. Do you like movies? Do you like TV? Do you like discussing the temporal effects of non-linear time travel and its implication on the plot of the movie Looper? Uh, okay. Do you enjoy the latest in pop culture news? Do you enjoy superheroes? Do you enjoy discussing the relative merits of superpowers and their effects on human physiology? Anyways, if you enjoy these things, even a small amount, you'll love the Rusted Robot Podcast. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. TheRustedRobot.Podbean.com My name is Kara Zor-El. I'm from Krypton. I'm a refugee on this planet. 
I was sent to Earth to protect my cousin, but my pod got knocked off course, and by the time I got here, my cousin had already grown up and become Superman. I hid who I really was, until one day when an accident forced me to reveal myself to the world. To most people, I'm a reporter at CatCo Worldwide Media, but in secret, I work with my adopted sister for the DEO to protect my city from alien life and anyone else that means to cause it harm. I am Supergirl. And we're back. And like I said at the top of the show, this week we're talking about Supergirl Season 3. You might notice that there's four guys talking about a female-led superhero <laughs> show. <laughs> And I just want to explain, right, I just want to explain before we start, I have literally asked every woman that I know who would be willing to, who's willing to be on a podcast, whether or not they watch Supergirl, and all of them said no. (laughs) So. It's like prom all over. (laughs) God. (laughs) You went to prom? Lucky. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I didn't say I went. I just said it's. So I just want to make sure everybody realizes I tried, okay? I did Four try. Four dudes hanging around in the back corner just going, yeah, we wish we were a part of that. Yeah. But, I, I mean, it's but to me, that says something right there. Because I feel like Supergirl, which has had a male showrunner, I think even though it tries to be very much about female empowerment and about... You, you know that you know trying to put supergirl out front and center and talking about that sort of thing i feel like the show might not necessarily have done a good job of that if women aren't tuning into it and i know several of the women that i talked to watched the you know watched it in the beginning but they just said that they just couldn't you know they didn't want to keep following it so i don't know that's that's at least the take that i get is that a lot of women find it kind of condescending well I mean that that is kind of anecdotal. I, I can't sure, yeah, can't, and that's the thing. Yeah. I, I can only speak to the women that I talk to. It just for what it's worth in my sphere, I watched it with my wife, and and yeah, she said it gets a little corny or something, like, uh, but she's never said condescending. She she has said sometimes it's a little heavy handed. So uh, maybe that's kind of the same thing. Yeah, no, and my my wife has issues with it too. We still watch it together, but she has issues with it too, and she feels like she's being patronized sometimes. But yeah, again, it's all anecdotal because that's just the the women that I've spoken to, which is by far not a statistically large <laughs> enough sample to really. I do find that it's 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 cool though. I mean, throughout the run, uh, you know, for better or for worse, I do find that they still really uh, they put women actresses in position like characters and positions of power that you don't normally see there's a like a it's really heavy on women and women like uh, interacting with other women and not in a you know over a man kind of thing all the time they've used i mean almost all of her rogues are powerful women and so i i do think they do a really good job whether or not you know women are watching or men are watching a lot of millions are still watching so regardless of that um of who whether it's you know supposed to be quote unquote for women i think it's still pretty successful because i i do think it's one of the well out of all the superhero shows that i watch anyway which is most of them it is the most pro-woman one uh, like by far yeah no i mean that that, i mean jessica jones i guess an argument could be made for that as well but uh yeah i mean it's certainly totally on the other end from supergirl but it is definitely a show that's about female empowerment and also has a lot of women in very prominent roles but yeah no so anyway i mean that was just my little aside there because (laughs) 
I know how it seems when you have four guys talking about right. a, a female-led show. It's like I tried, but anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, so so we have this season, which I'm gonna say overall for me uh, was at least a breath of fresh air in that it wasn't the Monel and Guardian Power Hour like season two was, um, where it was like a Supergirl even in this show anymore. <laughs> You know, because uh, the the writers seem to really heavily want to concentrate on Monel or Guardian, depending on the episode. And this season, they've definitely pulled back on that a lot. And Kara was able to take center stage again in her own show. And even when Monel did come back into it, he was nowhere near as focused on by the story as he was uh, in season two. I mean, did you guys find that too? Like James, I know we've talked about this before in the in the previous season. Did you feel like the Guardian and and Monel uh, taking a step back was a uh, was a positive uh, for the show? Yeah, I think it was definitely good. I mean, I appreciated the fact that like they still had moments where like they did bring them to light and like have a little more focus. But again, I mean, the title of your show is Supergirl, so <laughs> maybe focus on that. And I mean, I felt like they did do a better job of that with the way they worked with like Monel and the fact that more most of their interactions weren't so much about their growth as much as it was their growth with Kara in like how they were either interacting with her or whatever the case may be. Yeah, because um, Guardian, for the most part, and I kind of liked how they used him this season, is he and Wynn might say something like, hey, are we going to go out tonight or whatever, but you didn't focus on Guardian and Wynn going out and him sol- solving crime. They just kind of let you know low-key, they're still doing this thing in the background, but it's not important for the show. So, yeah, I, I really liked that. How about you guys, Ryan, Mike? How do you feel about the uh, the role of Kara in this season? Well, I see, unlike, I guess, most people, or at least present company, I didn't have a problem with Monel. In, in the previous season I, I rather liked the character so this season yeah i still didn't have a problem with him but i agree 100 percent. the less guardian the better <laughs> <laughs> they should just spin him off in his own show if they want to do well, you know like, except he's yeah. not even that interesting right. you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you noticed he was the first one to buy it on earth x right <laughs> And perhaps there's a little vicarious satisfaction um, to be had with that, yeah. Of course, it's also the only way to get him into the crossover at all. Yeah, so it, yeah, the less Guardian, the better. Um, And that's not to say, which is sad because the actor that portrays Jimmy, I think he does a phenomenal job. I think he's got charisma, you know, that goes on all day. But they just, they since season one, season one, I felt like, strange as it may sound, as the love interest foil, he, he kind of worked. But since then, they just haven't known what to do with him. And Guardian was just the wrong direction entirely. And what about you, Mike? Well, Jimmy's been my least favorite character on the show, I think, since it started, unfortunately. And I don't, you know, I don't mean to be an Olsen hater, because I know throughout you know, Superman history, Jimmy's had his detractors, but they just don't know what to do with him. And they just keep like, just throwing that stuff at him. (laughs) And so, you know, it's like, oh, you're going to be in love with Kara. Oh, no, we're going to dial that back. Oh, you're going to, you know, run Catco. Eh, we're never going to show that. Right. Oh, you're going to you're you're going to be a <laughs> They had one hero. episode, Mike. One episode yeah. where they showed yeah, him yeah. running Catco. So, <laughs> so I, I'm like, I miss Cat Grant. So yeah. yeah, I really do. Can I? Yeah, can I? I'll say that. Like, this is the first season without her, and man, I just I miss her a lot. And uh, and he is. <laughs> he is no Cat Grant. I mean, he's awful in that position. Every time they show him trying to run Catco, it just seems like he's inept. Then they tie, then they pair him with Lena Luther, and it 
that you know whatever it's like they it's almost like the reversal like a lot of times you'll have a show where there's a, a woman character on there and maybe the actress looks good so they just need to figure out something for her to do so they keep putting her in these odd roles well that's jimmy olsen in this i mean he's supposed to be the character is supposed to be the guy who knows more about this stuff than anyone i mean he's been working with superman for like a decade right before this or something and so he should be seasoned he should know he should be the guy that she's looking to for advice and all but instead he just is and i and you know i i don't i have to say that as much as i don't want to give you know blame on the actor i feel like if the actor was doing something remarkable the writers would pick up on that and and use it but instead he's just bland and every time he's on screen i'm bored I have to say, though, even though also the other weird thing was pairing him with Lena Luthor because it was just kind of like that sort of came out of left field and felt like they just needed something for him yeah. to do. And so it's yep. like, oh, you're dating Lena Luthor now. But the one thing that I will say that I kind of like towards the end of the season was the going public with Guardian. And on, on the downside, I feel like that's the death knell for Catco. I think they realize they're not going to get Cat Grant back now, and they're basically like, we're just going to write Catco out of this because, you know, Kara doesn't do reporting anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After making such a big deal about it last year, you know, like this year she was like a reporter one time, I think, when she was investigating that cult. And uh, that was the only time she ever tried to be a reporter. So, yeah, so I think it's kind of the end of Catco, which which I think is sad because I think that ha- letting Kara have a civilian identity, you know, is, is good. They've even moved Miss Tokmaker. Uh, right, and that was the other right? thing that signaled to me that out they're getting of, rid of Catco. Cat yep. Because like, they like that actress. Right, they yeah. like that actress, so they're trying to save her, even though they're going to yeah. get rid of Catco. That's my thinking. Uh, yeah. So suddenly she's like a nuclear physicist. <laughs> like, oh, she can be my assistant over at Elcor. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, she always ends up working for a Luther, so you know. Uh, yeah, there is that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, at least on Jimmy's front, they didn't decide like, hey, he's just you know a secret government agent. We're gonna kill him right away. <laughs> <laughs> I almost. But that almost would have been better. Yeah. Than what they've instead been doing. Of this, instead of this extended <laughs> death that we're going through. <laughs> Well, the thing that hurt me so badly was that Snapper wasn't in this season. Because, like, I get that Callista Flockhart doesn't want to travel to Vancouver, and that's the, the core issue there. But it's like Snapper Carr was so great in season two. And then we start this season, they're like, Snapper's on sabbatical. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you got rid of him. He was the one of the great things about season two. He was good, but I figure they can always just have Jimmy go look for uh, Lucy, you know, <laughs> hiding out in the mountain or whatever, wherever they left her. Right. And- <laughs> Lucy, nobody's mentioned her name in two years. <laughs> Lucy who? <laughs> yeah, Lucy and Maxwell Lord are just hanging out somewhere. But if he wanted to go back to Metropolis, I'd be fine with that. <laughs> yeah. No, well, instead they get rid of Wynn, you know, where well, that... Did they get, was that his choice? Whose choice was that? That, I'm not sure whose choice it was. I think, I think what I read seemed to imply that it's the actor's choice. And it's probably, he's, he's probably bored on Supergirl because, you know, he doesn't get a whole lot to do either. He just sat around in a chair most of the season, you know, just telling people, you know, like, hey, I see you on the monitor or whatever. So, yeah, it's unfortunate because I like Wynn. Definitely like him more than Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like him more than Brainiac too. Five, right? Uh, oh God, the Brainiac, the Andorian. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 
I, I'm guessing the reason they decided not to make him green was because Jean is also green and they didn't want to... I guess they th- worried that some people might think he's a Martian, but that's the only reason I can figure for why they made him blue instead of green. Well, traditionally now, they don't... like. You'll see that as with a lot of characters. They don't use green because a lot of times they're in front of green screens. Mm, so if that, you want yeah. to see him... <laughs> you, he yeah. needs to be another color. Well, they could do yeah. blue screen instead. I mean, John is entirely CG when he's in Martian right. form. Right. Not that that happens often anymore either. No. <laughs> <laughs> when the budget cuts came, when they I moved. I was going to say WBA. when they moved. When they moved networks, we're lucky to get a show at all. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah, I, I find Brainiac kind of embarrassing to watch. So yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't happy about that move at all. I mean, it is nice that they gave, like, Wynn, like, almost, like, a hero's role, and that he has to go to the future to save the future, and and I like that for the character. I I think that speaks to just your history with the actor, right? Because for Brainy, Jesse Rath, I've been following him... You know, this is, I think, the third or so series that I've watched him on. And so it's like, oh, it's Jesse Rath. And so I was immediately inclined to like the character. And well, yeah, I'm sorry to see Wind go. The Wind that I really, really enjoyed and I liked is still working over at Catco. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just been a long death coming for him. That's a fair criticism, I think. But it's been a lot of changes on this show. And, 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 and you know, it, one thing, though, that does annoy me, and it's on all the Berlanti shows, is the need, the feeling that it seems that they feel like everyone in the support group for the hero must also be a hero. And, you know, it happened in Arrow, it's happened in The Flash, and it's happening in Supergirl, and it's like everybody's gotta also be super-powered, and or some sort of, you know, got some sort of tech or something. And I don't feel like that's strictly speaking necessary, but at least for Wynn, I feel like for his character, it's at least gives him something, because that's sort of what he always dreamed of. You know, I mean, you think back to the first episode when Kara told him that she's Supergirl and how excited he was to even be like, making her costume. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so, so it does feel like, you know, for Win, it's a great thing, but then, you know, it's like Guardian has to be a superhero, and now Alex has the super suit, and, you know, it's just like, oh, okay, does everybody need this? <laughs> yeah, but when when uh, when when had a chance to you know take the spotlight and like in the episode with his uh, the toy men's uh, funeral, I, I thought, and he meets his mom. I, I was compelled by that. I mean, he is uh, capable of you know his own having you know host uh, having his own show. You know, I think so. If if the actor needed to move on, I could definitely see that. And I will say because I don't think we're going to cover it a lot, but with the big crossover, I will say that I kind of missed having a lot more of win in that uh i mean he's in it but not as much as i i was hoping that he would be well i I think it's unfortunate that apparently they could never get the toy man actor back because i thought that there was a lot more that they could have mined there oh sure between win and his father and i wondered about that in season two why we didn't see the toy man and uh, i'm guessing it's just that they couldn't get the actor back and so that's why they just decided to kill him off off screen and do what they could with that but uh yeah it's a shame because yeah i i really wanted to see more of that because that was one of the good episodes of season one i thought was uh the toy man one for, for me the biggest loss of win will be i'm never gonna get the scene where i've got cisco and win 
and Felicity all just you know together. Well, you don't I know that because that. they said that he will be like a reoccurring guest star next year, so it's possible he could show up for the crossover. Well, you know, I, they could I, if they really, really wanted to be pretty awesome, they would just have win guest star as Earth One's win some somewhere in one of the other series. But yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> no. Oh, I've been waiting for that sort of thing for a while, and they haven't capitalized on it yet i still you know especially since oliver had kryptonite arrows i keep hoping that we're gonna find out that there have been kryptonians on earth one also but so far that hasn't happened maybe we'll get power girl (laughs) (laughs) comic accurate please no anyway uh... (laughs) and that's why there aren't any women on this podcast (laughs) hey i've been making that joke for two years But, uh, yeah, getting back to Kara, though, um, you know, we had the whole arc with her, you know, starting off with, uh, you know, her being, you know, uncertain about Monel and thinking that maybe he just flew up to die and everything else and sort of her coming back to her humanity and then being confronted with Monel coming back from the future. <laughs> and it had been what what would they say like 10 years for him? I can't remember how many years they said it had been for him where it just I been think like, it was like 6 or Okay, something. yeah, 6 years for him. And so they made sure that the actor grew a beard to like try and make you you're older now. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, and, and then, of course, there's all the stuff with Samantha and Rain and all of that. I, I, I gotta say, I, I'm just going to, to say this to start off, and it's gonna feel like I'm picking on the show, but, but honestly, this is the thing that drove me nuts. Samantha and Kara know each other for, like, a day, and then it's like, we're all besties, me and Lena and Sam, we're, like, the bestest of friends, you know? And so that's supposed to be, so when she's Rain, it's more of an emotional gut punch, but because I never felt that the relationship developed naturally, like, it fell so flat to me. It's kind of like how Lena and Kara became besties so quickly in season two. I don't feel like this rela- these relationships actually work. You know, and it's and it's one of the disappointments to me on the show that they don't let things grow organically. That they just kind of try and force it together. I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, in the sense that it just strains probability uh, of every sense. It, it felt forced, absolutely. And and you know, you you know, whenever a show does something like that, whenever it forces a new character into a dynamic where they, where you already don't know that that character is this or that that okay that's going to be the villain or oh you, you can just you can call these things and that's probably my biggest criticism of supergirl compared to any of the other berlanti uh, shows is how formulaic it is it just it follows the pattern it, you you almost don't need to <laughs> you almost don't need to watch it if you just you could you could get 5 minute segments of this show and probably follow the <laughs> the entire plot line <laughs> yeah although i will say there is one thing that surprised me at the end we'll get to that in a little bit but there was one thing where I thought for sure that this was just going to happen because it was such a logical development and then it didn't. But yeah, so so James, what did you think of the whole, you know, uh, the, the sort of trio they made and, and, you know, the girls, you know, having, uh, you know, the sort of the best friend uh, thing that, that came up? Uh, it felt like a weird otaku anime thing to me. Like, I was just like, what is happening right now? Because just like you said, it was like, just like that. It was like within 24 hours, like, we're the best friends ever. Um, and I was just like, I wait, what? Like, I literally found myself watching and going, wait, but wait, what? what's the timeline on this? Have they... Did I miss it? No, it's been a day. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm lost. Got it. I've never made friends that fast. Right. Ever. 
And maybe I'm just bad at making friends. Right. I don't know. It's just, it's just you, James. <laughs> right. Well, you know, again, we none of us went to prom, apparently. Or, right. you know, yeah. <laughs> well, Mike did. That's why he's yeah. the awesome one. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I, I don't know. It felt, it felt stilted. And then, like, the direction, everything kind of went at the end. Like, I don't know. I, I've personally grown really bored with the whole, like, Kara's identity crisis issue, like, with Lena Luther. Like, I get it, but at the same time, I'm like, I, I, we get it. We we know it's a crisis. Like, do we need to highlight it this much? And, like, the fact that, like, it seems to interfere with, like, how she has a relationship with not just Lena, but, like, Lena and Sam, like, it impacts everything. And it's just like, can we just, like, come to, like, I honestly thought this season, like, she was going to crack and she was going to go, I'm Supergirl. Like, I thought she was going to do the whole, the the whole Danny Rand thing and just start telling, you know, everybody close to her that she's Supergirl. <laughs> Defender of Krypton, sworn enemy. Of- <laughs> I spot a dragon. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm sorry. I I need to bring something up that that is kind of an aside, but kind of not. The thing that that upset me the most about this season was that okay, Kara's fighting these world killers that are Kryptonian thing. Why is Superman not in a single episode of this season? Yes. Like, these things threaten the whole world. <laughs> Where the hell is Superman? They're not called you know, national city killers. They're called world killers. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, you know, especially when she's being ganged up on. Okay, in the, fir- in the second season, they established she's stronger than Superman. So maybe it was just Rain. You know, you could say, well, he just trusted Kara to be able to defeat her. But when there's three of them, you know, maybe just... No, no, it gets worth me that they double down. It's like... She found survivors. Right. And she didn't tell him. Right. Like, 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 hey, there's a whole planet full of our people that right. maybe you might want to check out. Nah, like, I mean, at the myself. very least, they have a text relationship. How did we not see her just briefly like, uh, yo, yo, uh, cousin, our people are alive. <laughs> smiley face emoji, smiley face emoji. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the it's it's. It's a double-edged sword. They can't do that, right? They can't bring in Superman every time. But that once they introduced him, now that's always now they're like, well, now we have to figure out reasons to not have. So like in the finale last year, they're like, oh look, he's frozen. Like he's way in the like. They just like I don't want to see him have to do that and jump through those hoops every time. I mean, you know, it's like see, why? I, don't I mean, see the problem. Look, look, like, Oliver knows Barry. He doesn't call Barry every time he needs something like sped to it. I'm like, oh, I'm like, kind of hungry. I need a pizza. I'm gonna call Barry. <laughs> like, right, like, but, like, but there are instances where that's frustrating when they don't. Even with Oliver and Barry, because like the one where the city got nuked, like it was like season four of Arrow or whatever. It was like maybe having Barry help would have been smart. You know, because of the super speed aspect, you know, and and it, it's when it's when the it's when the danger is bigger than the hero can face themselves. That's when I get annoyed because it's like Kara takes her mom and she takes Jean. Why couldn't we replace the mom with Superman, or why couldn't we replace somebody else with? You get what I'm saying? It's not like right. she can win on her own, and it's not but about like the fact that Kara doesn't have help. This is, but this is not Superman's show. If you want to yeah. watch the cousins fight and do everything, then that's a different show. This is Supergirl's show. She's the one who steps up. It's her show. It's her crew. Now, we'll see Superman occasionally, but the bottom line is, like, I feel like, yeah, they've established that when they'll use him, 
you know, is when maybe the actor's available. Maybe they make writer decisions not to. But it's it's it is difficult when you've got a shared. I mean, for that matter, she has access to all the rest of the DCU on WB, like anytime she wants to. Yeah. Like she just has a button to press, and like she can get a new outfit from you know from Cisco or something. But they never do that. So, like. Yeah, th- this show has to, in some ways, it does have to be self-contained to a point. And it, and and I and I don't want to see Superman come in and save the day like every time she gets into a problem, right? I mean, well, that's, no, it's that's when it's a worldwide work. problem, like in this one, where it was like the you know for the finale, like yeah, you don't need Superman every episode, but for the finale, for Superman to show up and help Kara, you know, uh, when there's earthquakes going on around the world, you know, and stuff like that, you know. Maybe Superman, you know, you could just have him cameo, you know? I mean, he look, Clark's got his own crap to deal with, man. I mean, he can't <laughs> yeah. just fly over like every other time. I mean, he's got Parasite on his butt. He's got Lex to deal with. I mean, he's got his own set of issues, so... Yeah. And frankly, yeah, on that topic, I think it's pretty damn rude of Kara not to be helping Clark out. Why isn't she over in Metropolis? <laughs> That's helping- true. No, I mean, that would be a good storyline, too, is maybe she visits him in Metropolis and helps him with an adventure. That that's Yeah, true. but you know what's going to happen with that? We're going to end up with a whole episode of just Guardian, and then they're going to back it up with, like, Kara's helping Clark right now. <laughs> yeah, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. But yeah, I mean, this, this is the double-edged sword of yeah. having these shared universes. I mean, people have been critiquing, well, how come in Captain America, he's not calling the Avengers in? It, it, it's This is just, you have to, I guess, suspend your disbelief to a certain extent here. Like you say, well, why isn't she call Superman in for the finale? Then he's in every single finale. Uh, it's just, uh, you get, just have to assume he's off okay to fight the world well, in a different way. And, well, and that is the truth. I mean, even when you take, like, the comic book aspect of things, like, if you go and you read comic books, like, comic books do this all the time, where there's, like, some crazy crisis, and, like, like Batman doesn't just call in, you know, the Justice League every time, like, he's just like, there's a situation that's uh, a little out of my control, because I don't actually have superpowers, uh, <laughs> so a little help would be great, guys. Like, he never does that. It's just like, no. That's because no situation is outside of Batman's control. Exactly. Like, I'll find a way. <laughs> I'll sacrifice a Robin or two. Right. We'll <laughs> Hey, uh, Robin number six. My name is <laughs> my name is Jack. It doesn't matter. You're Robin number six. Go out there. <laughs> you you're only a number. <laughs> you're just a number now. <laughs> I don't get attached to my Robins anymore. Um, I will say, I mean, as a comic reader, I I don't read a lot. I haven't in my history read tons of Supergirl, so I was not familiar with Rain as a character prior to this season. So. Everything I know about Rain, I really know from the show. I was glad that we have a opponent for Kara, like her roughly, roughly her own age, so that you know that they can, you know, it just seems like it's more of a, a flip side of of her, you know, kind of thing. I thought they dealt with the, uh, for lack of a better word, Jekyll and Hyde aspect of it pretty well. I mean, that was interesting to me. Exactly, you know, how much she remembers, how much she doesn't. I thought the scenes, you know, giving her a kid and then having that kid be in danger, I thought that worked for me overall um, because I was like, I was I was scared for her. Not that I actually thought they would kill the kid, but I thought, you know, it was, it was, it was done really well with the show. And I did fall, I did uh, think that Lena and Sam m- had a good connection. I, you know, when they threw Kara in as well, I thought, yeah, that doesn't work as well. But the dynamic, I thought, between 
Lena and Sam, I thought worked really, really well. No, well, I, it, it makes I sense. They're co-workers. Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, yeah. So that's more organic in nature. Yes. Yeah. My, my only issue with Sam as a character was that she was a single mom who was kicked out as a teenager, yet somehow went through college while having a kid and became the CEO of a major <laughs> corporation. And she's like 25. You know? It's well, she like, does have Kryptonian blood. Uh, well, I guess. I guess that's the explanation. But It's Earth 18 or whatever. Clearly, their, their educational system's a little different. <laughs> I, I just found that really hard to swallow. But once you get past that, no, I think that much like all the Berlanti shows I feel like the setup of the villain was great and I felt like even all the stuff with Lena trying to cure her and everything else I thought all of that was great where it fell apart to me is when they said oh instead of this being like a battle in her mind or whatever she goes to some voodoo dimension and then where it's like when she train changes she doesn't change like like she's wearing her hospital gown and then suddenly she's in her costume, you know, and it's like before they had shown her actually take off the shirt, like in a reverse of Kara's pulling the shirt off thing to have the rain costume underneath. And when it got into that whole weird thing of, of you know, we're in another dimension and the fact that they jumped to that conclusion that, oh, you go to another dimension when you become right. How do you know that? You know? <laughs> it just, I don't know. That started getting really hokey to me. And then when they did the whole thing where at the end, it's just like, oh, yep, we cured you. You're not rain anymore. You're just a normal human. It was just like, whoa, that's really really fast well you, you see nathan they reversed the polarity <laughs> um, <laughs> i mean maybe maybe this is too technical for you right. I, I don't know <laughs> but, but here's the thing i really thought and what i thought would have been the right way to end the storyline would have been sam and rain die killing each other and then ruby becomes alex's daughter and that's what I thought for sure they were signaling with all the stuff with Alex wanting to be a mom. And then her connection with Ruby was really strong. And she even, li you know, Ruby even lived with her for a while. And it's like, yeah, this is what's going to happen. Like the only way for these two sides of the same person, the only way for Sam to stop Rain is to basically kill herself, you know, get for them to kill each other. And then when that didn't happen, and when it didn't happen using a flashpoint solution... <laughs> It was that just kind of like, wow, that just <laughs> felt out of left field there. <laughs> yeah, that that was shades of the first Superman movie. It's like, I'm going to go around the sun and fix Well, this. that was the other thing. It's like, she's like, oh, find me like one of those warps. And it's like, wait a minute. Those are just like hanging around all over. I thought Brainiac spent like months computing like how to get back to the future and when can just find one. You know, I don't know. Well, it's because Brainiac didn't actually compute anything. He just Marty McFly'd that with a DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, and so, I mean, this always frustrates me about Supergirl. It's like, even when Kara does, like, a mistake, it always works out okay. It's like, no matter what Kara does, no matter what, you know, thing that she does that, that might not be a good thing, it always ends up being that was the right call to make. And yeah. it never seems like she's she makes like a mistake that she really has to own up to or have any kind of forgiveness for or anything. There well, are almost no consequences. I, except except uh, her treatment of Lena and asking James to do that. That's that still true. has ramifications, and that'll have ramifications into season four, I think. Yeah, you know, no, you're right, and that that was that was one of the storylines. That was one of the subplots that I really liked. 
Yeah. But, but I mean, that had same, consequences. Right. But at the same time, she still gets to have her cake and eat it, too, by, you know, being enemies in, in this outfit and BFFs in that outfit. <laughs> That's true. <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But, yeah, the thing... This is the thing with me, and this is what I've said since day one. I want them to just pick a direction for Lena, because they, they've telegraphed that Lena's be, going to become evil, like, so many times, and... You know, it's just like, it feels like it's glacial and it feels like they jump that way, but then they jump back the other way or whatever. And it's like, they gave it a good reason in this season. It was like, yes, all this stuff with her being controlled and manipulated by the DEO and Supergirl specifically. It's like, yeah, I can understand why she might just go rogue and just decide I'm done with this. I'm going to do what I want. Which seems to be where they're going now, but it just seems like after they do the episode with her mom, where it's like, no, categorically, this is never the person I'm going to be, to then go that other direction like five or six episodes later just feels like they don't like think ahead or plan anything or whatever. I disagree. I think I think Lena is stronger when she's fighting the urge to be bad. Like I, I find that makes her better Luther than more, more interesting Luther than any of the other Luthers. Like the other Luthers have embraced their evilness, and she's fighting it every step of the way. She's determined not to go that way, and I, I think it's an ongoing battle. I'm hoping it doesn't, she doesn't succumb to it and just become another baddie. I think she's more interesting. It makes her a little bit more dynamic. Well, they had the whole episode in season two where they did the flashbacks that showed she was better at playing chess than Lex was. Sure, and I kept thinking, oh, she's playing some sort of a long game she knows Kara is Supergirl and she's playing her but then they've never done anything with that they've never done anything to show that like Lena has any kind of a plan or or really is this master chess player you know this master strategist that that we were sort of given before and so I don't know I just feel like there's 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 potential for her but now she's like jimmy's love interest which is like the worst thing that they could do no 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 he's her love interest i I don't see it the other way around i really don't see it the other way around that's fair but i did like the fact that he did not go into her vault because i think in most shows that would have been the thing like oh i'm Kara's buddy i'm gonna do the thing to make sure that we know what Lena has or doesn't have and the fact that I'm dating her is regardless because the star is Kara and for him to choose no that's wrong you know that's a break of trust you know it's a breach of trust that was that was actually a really interesting uh development and I like that for for all the critiques you can give Jimmy uh, even from season one onward he's probably had the most emotional maturity of anyone on the show it's it's kind of like yeah you're talking about oh Lena will she go bad won't she go bad literally that is the most boring storyline arc in the entire series to me. It's, uh, you know, I saw that on 47 seasons of Smallville with Lex. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't care. You know? <laughs> and it's just the same recycled. Oh, he's good. But then this kind of happens and it makes sense for him to be bad, but he really wants to be good. But yeah, it's the same with Lena. It's just, I don't know why they did that. I, I really don't know why the character exists, why they replace, except for maybe, the fact that they wanted a, a, a woman, I made no sense to replace Max Lord with her, and it just—I don't know. That that's Lena, is, which is a shame because Katie McGrath is that her name? I, no, yeah, maybe I don't know. But same same thing. I've liked her since Merlin, but just ugh, I, I really just want her to go to Metropolis as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really find Lena particularly interesting or compelling. 
I, I think she's had more to do this season than last season. I think that, uh, that towards the end of the season, she was a much more interesting character than she has been. But all the fighting with her mom and everything else and just Pete, her and Kara being BFFs was not interesting. But I'm glad they're going with the sort of harder edge to her. I, I will say her purchasing Catco at least there now there's a, a business person actually running it and not just an investigative reporter who used to be you know photographer you know so i <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was good. Her her chemistry with you know Flying Man from Hero uh, Edge on uh, uh, Supergirl, uh, Charlie uh, uh, Pazdar. Uh, yeah, Adrian Pazdar. Thank you. Yes, I, I, I liked them kind of sniping at each other. I thought that they had good chemistry as well, and you know it was kind of nice having him on Supergirl as an out and out you know evil corporate slime ball kind of guy. But then they had him back on Agents of Shield, so he suddenly had to disappear. <laughs> it's like it's like we're setting him up to be like a you know a new major villain in Supergirl, but oh, Agents of Shield called. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, no spoilers, but I don't know. Maybe he can come back to Supergirl now. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think I think they could easily bring him back next season. Yeah. But yeah. No. Oh, sure. But, yeah. But yeah, I I I thought that she had good chemistry with him, which and I love that. You know, for as much as I was kind of burned out on Guardian, the episode where he uh, was trying to protect her and uh he thought that edge was the one trying to kill her and so when guardian just shows up and like starts shaking him down i love that scene <laughs> you know i don't care for his character i you know, I, I think i mentioned that my wife sometimes says the show is a little heavy-handed uh, and i i think he's just too much he's just too two-dimensional yeah. he's he's the uh, you know the epitome of the bad-mannered you know 1960s you know don draper <laughs> guy <laughs> i don't, I well, don't no, know but sometimes you want just like the villain that's like just like he's the obvious villain as long as every villain isn't that way that, i don't want that but if you have just the one you know sometimes it's kind of refreshing to just have the you know he is the scumbag you know i mean everybody sure. knows it but he could be he could be the scumbag that you know, adopts pet adopts street cats or something like that i don't know give him some some nuance yeah Yeah, yeah. all right well he did have the one episode that focused on the whole lead in the air thing oh and that's one of the places where i really wish instead of just making it the evil villain plot with the mustache twirling it would have been interesting if the 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 lead that got rid of the daxamites if it really had poisoned people that would have been interesting because that would have given lena something really to kind of you know, uh, to atone for and to be like, kind of like, you know, hey, I, I got rid of this bad situation, but then I also hurt some people with it. And I, I wish that they had actually run with that instead of finding out that, oh no, it's just uh, evil Warren Edge poisoning people and pitting it on you, Lena. <laughs> you know, and I, I felt like they kind of, you know, dodged a, a more interesting storytelling choice there. Because I'm going to say this, I know I said this last year, I'm going to say it again. There is no safe levels of lead in the human body. Okay. <laughs> If you throw lead into the atmosphere and it, it makes daxamites like, you know, go away, that means we're all breathing it in. It's bad for everyone. <laughs> well, maybe on this earth, yes. <laughs> Science Obviously on their earth it works differently. <laughs> right. Uh, like, just, we've we've established that it's a have, different earth. When we have different st- rule. Yeah. When we have stuff in the news about lead poisoning and, you know, some of our cities and such, you know, it's just, it, it just feels to me that that's like a sensitive issue and that they could have done a little bit better with that, but, you know, whatever. So, um, let's talk about Jean for a little bit. I absolutely adore Jean and have uh, since the moment he revealed himself to Alex in season one. I, I like the uh, the idea of being like the last member of a race. 
which I know isn't an unusual thing in Superman circles, but... Um, just found a whole planet of them. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> right after they had a whole prison full of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, and so at first I was kind of disappointed that the dad came back because I was like, no, the whole thing that, like, makes John so interesting and makes his character so tragic is that he is the last Green Martian. You know, I, I don't want there to be other Green Martians, but then having the whole thing where his father's... Um, you know, going through dementia and everything else, it was like, oh, that's why, because we want to hurt John some more. <laughs> and and I got to say, I loved all of that. You know, um, yeah. I, I, I think that everything that they, I mean, anytime that they focus on Jean and the tragedy of being the last Martian, it is really great material for them to mine. And pulling in the uh, actor who was the voice of Jean in the Justice League animated series to play the dad was perfect casting <laughs> i loved that um you know i love the nod there and i mean he's a great actor anyway you know he's been in a lot of shows uh, like alias and stuff um where you know i've enjoyed him but so yeah i really love that whole development you know first getting his father acclimated to earth and then the decline and then even the tragedy of he never got to fully share the memories with him and then it all leads to Jean's final decision there that he's gonna take up you know the 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 martian way of life and like actually mix with the people and uh yeah i love the whole through line for Jean this season yeah and it also works uh bringing him closer together with alex i always thought that the two of them right from the first season had a really strong relationship and in this one and of course with alex getting involved with with the two of them going through that i thought worked really well and yeah every time that stuff was there and i mean because you have such great acting especially from carl lumley going through it and and david harewood of course i mean it's hard not to get like choked up with those those scenes are just kind of like heart they tug at the heartstrings oh yeah like the one where he's telling jean like he's learned how to make coco mm -hmm. and then like he like they start talking about something else and then like he goes back to oh i've learned about this new thing it's it's coco you know or however he pronounced you know everything was kind of coffee you know and stuff like that which i i like that he did that sort of like the Mar martian accent kind of stuff too but you know and then yeah just the fact that he repeats the whole conversation he'd had with jean before and jean just kind of you know jean just trying to like act like it's the first time he heard it but you can see in the facial expression and everything yeah. how you know how much it saddens him that you know he's got a humorous father like this you know and so yeah it was it was it was pretty powerful stuff i thought absolutely uh, again it, it's he manages to bring him and alex and her storylines because she's always searching to improve herself but uh, i would say that they're the emotional for lack of a better word, the emotional black holes of the show. They're they're the what drag you in and keep you compelled to watch. To, in all honesty, if it was just Kara being mean and, and not deciding what she wanted to do, who she was going to be today, I don't know that I would follow this show as much you you complain that it's called supergirl but the reality is is when the other the the ancillary characters are good like john and alex then they steal it and i'm cool with that oh i don't mind john and alex it's just that everybody else has to be a superhero too <laughs> you know? like, no no i've always liked them and i've always liked them being part of the story uh you know and as close as they are and and that's the thing in season two i felt like they really pulled back from john and that john didn't get as much screen time and that when he did it was yeah. mostly with Magan and not with Alex 
And I'm really glad this season that it's, you know, that they've gone back to that and the whole idea of Jean being kind of her surrogate father. Yes. And the only thing that I didn't like about it was that Dean Cain didn't make one <laughs> stinking guest star episode. <laughs> I watched this show to relive my my Lois and Clark love. <laughs> Not really. Well, but. come on. I mean, you got, you. I mean, like, look, I mean, there there was no shortage of homages to No, I know. <laughs> You know, oh, yeah. Ursula or getting Ursula back. That was amazing. <laughs> Sarah Douglas was great. <laughs> See, Nathan, you watch it to relive your Lois and Clark love. I watch it to relive my Smallville hate. Oh. So that's the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, in all seriousness, though, but I did like I did love having Dean Kane in season one, seasons one and two. And so I was disappointed that he didn't have a single episode, you know, because even um even, um, oh, the actress who plays the mom who is Supergirl in the movie. You know, even she got some screen time this season. Uh, uh, Slater. Helen Slater. Yeah, Helen Slater, yeah. She got some screen time this season, but I... Well, because, you know, I mean, I, I like that whole idea, too, of the, the dad who... You know, he he might be, you know, uh, you know, kind of sympathetic to the enemy now. And, you know, the whole relationship between Alex and her father and all of that. And so, you know, I'd like to kind of revisit that after what happened in season two. So, yeah, I don't know what Dean Cain was doing this year, but, you know, I wish he had been on the show at least once. Well, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's all sad, blah, 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 blah. But (laughs) I will say, you know, as much as I give Smallville a hard time, at least we got Erica Durant's this yes, season yes. so you know that's that's a plus you know <laughs> what is that the woman who played the mom yeah that's the new mom uh, she was in okay. small she was yeah. uh yeah she was lois and lois lane in smallville okay yeah i don't know i preferred the old mom the, she she looks too young to be Kara's mom and the fact that she hasn't aged since when Kara left would kind of left me puzzled because it's like wait Kara was in the phantom zone for 10 years and then she's had another 14 years on top of that on earth so it's Look, like, it's wait obvious, a minute. It's obvious she's had work done. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, when Kara finds those Kryptonians, mom should be like 25 years older than when she last saw her. <laughs> so. I don't know. I mean, I looked at Erica Durant is the same age as me, and I look about 20 years older than her. So, you know, <laughs> man. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean the original actress who played the mom, um, she uh, she was starring on Broadway apparently this year, so that's why they couldn't have her. And she was pregnant last year, which is why they couldn't have her because you know it's kind of hard to have the hologram that's supposed to be of the mom and have it be pregnant. So you know, so they only had her the one episode very early on in season two. Um, but anyway. So we talked about Alex a little bit, so let's dive into Alex. You know, Berlanti keeps on doing these things where they make characters important, but apparently don't lock them into a contract. And so the the, the beginning of this season with Maggie and Alex's uh, relationship and that whole development where last year they had the whole proposal, but it was like, you know, guys, maybe you should have locked the actress who plays Maggie in before you did the whole proposal thing. It's maybe. <laughs> you know? Or... Like I don't mind that they're not together. I thought it was done really well as far as the breakup. I thought. Oh, it, I thought that was it, the it, most it, contrived and stupid thing I've ever seen. They had, they hadn't talked about that already when they decided to get married. Really, <laughs> you know? I just, I don't know. It was just. I, and and, no, they, and I, they instantly go from being like, "Yes, let's get married," to like, "This is this is we can't be together in like a week." 
You know, obviously, I I mean, obviously they fast tracked it. (laughs) And then, I mean, this was, you know, I thought the whole thing was this is Alex's first really relationship like this. And so she's she's all in and not even thinking straight. And it's Maggie's the one that's like, no. And I I didn't think it was going to work from the start. So no matter what the reason was, I think I figured they were going to end up like this. So and then the whole I mean, I thought. Alex's character growth throughout this whole thing, the rebound that she, you know, the uh, the rebound action she got in the crossover, <laughs> as well as, you know, the the stuff that she ended up dealing with Martian Manhunter and all that. I thought I thought Alex had a very 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 good season and uh, working yeah. with the kid. I mean, it all and it all seemed organic. It didn't seem contrived. It seemed like this was just a a path for her character that I thought was really well. And and real quickly, I think it's gonna sound. It's gonna probably make me sound really unmanly. So, so the fact that you've got four guys on here, I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> gonna. I'm gonna swing the other way for a second. I thought one of my favorite episodes this season was Midvale. Mm. Uh, was that? Uh, I think it's the third or fourth, fifth or sixth episode, something like that. But that's the one where they go back in time and they do the flashback. The actresses that they got to play Karen and Alex, I thought were amazing. Mm. I thought it was a nice little yeah. story. Uh, it, it reminded me. I it reminded me of the things that I enjoyed about Smallville. Even and even gave it a shout out to Chloe. I guess they were calling for some. They wanted to join some sort of cult or something. I think. Uh, yeah, they never would have done that if that news had broke just like two yeah. months earlier. But I thought it was. I just thought it was really sweet. And I'm like, God, I hope they do this like every season because that was really fun. No, the Midvale episode was fun, and I like everything that happened to Alex after the breakup, but, I mean, the thing is, this wasn't planned. They, they couldn't get the actress, uh, for whatever reason, she wanted to leave, uh, that played Maggie. But breakups aren't planned. Breakups aren't sure. planned. No, no, of and course so, not. Yeah, it, it didn't feel contrived to me at, at all, either. It just I, I can buy that, yes, they didn't talk about it. These are two people, you know, one's a police officer, one's a government agent. They live pretty much day to day they could die at any minute so you know they, they rush into these decisions a lot of the time so it, it i don't know it, it worked for me on almost every level i don't know to me it's like you can't be that heavy into it and then be like no there's no compromise and it i don't know it just felt like way too quick both in both ends but yeah i i, I didn't care for that part at all but but then and then the other thing you know it's like i understood okay alex wants to be a mom you know she has this great relationship with ruby and like i said i expected her to end up adopting ruby and that would have made kind of sense because she's already like a young teenager and can kind of fend for herself a little bit but this whole idea of alex taking over the deo and at the same time is gonna adopt like a baby you know it's like what (laughs) again it's like the samantha thing there's no way you could be the head of this organization where you're on call 24 7 and raise a baby as a single mom it's not a problem nathan the baby will be aged due to alien technology (laughs) that's possible possible. i'm I'm calling it now (laughs) but you know i mean like even thinking about the kids well i mean i don't know it just seemed like a uh, i don't know It, it Again, it feels like some of the things they do in this show from a character standpoint don't make a lot of sense, you know, regardless of any, you know, the fact that it's a superhero show, so, like, the the physics don't work. (laughs) Some of the character stuff is just like, really? I don't... I kind of... I see where you're coming from, but I do think that that conflict did give us one of the better scenes towards the end of the series, where she's going to Jean to resign, and he's like, no, I I don't accept your resignation because I'm leaving. And, And basically, he just tells her, I've got confidence in you. You can do it. You can do everything anything you want and have everything that you want and oh, i'm just i'm out <laughs> but uh yeah speak yeah and on that note i'm out yeah. <laughs> <sighs> 
But the thing is, you can't have everything you want. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's for season four. Right. Yeah. I, I just hope in the crossover, I, I know this is kind of getting to an aside here, but since we're talking about that last episode, I want in the crossover for Kara to tell Barry that, no, it's fine. Like, I, I some bad stuff was going to happen, and I just went back in time, and I fixed it. And for Barry to be like, are you out of your freaking mind? <laughs> <laughs> That never goes well. <laughs> <laughs> or alternatively, Barry will go, wait, it worked for her. <laughs> I could do it again. <laughs> Flashpoint redo. Again, Kara doesn't have, there, there aren't consequences to when Kara doesn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. So overall, I was happy with Alex's uh, trajectory in this season, but I felt that those first few episodes... I wasn't as keen on. Let's see. Uh, so, any other characters that you guys want to talk about? James, was there anyone else that you wanted to, to give a shout-out to or anybody you wanted to discuss? No. I mean, I thought Monel's future wife oh. slash not wife. She was interesting and yes. simultaneously boring to me. Oh, like, no, no. Like, the whole time I was like, Monel, why do you even care about Kara anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like, Ten years with, like, a new wife, and suddenly, like, you're just like, but Kara, like, I think you've got some relationship issues. You need counseling for it, friend. It's like, I, I mean, Imra, I, I, I'm fine with yeah. Imra, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Got that accent. Now you know why the wind wants to go to the future. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, Monel's, you're single now, right? <laughs> and the future wind is like an eight, you know. Right. <laughs> you know that would be great, though, because, you know, like I say, I really like Wynn. And, and, you know, that's sort of been like this show. He's been kind of like the 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 joke of the dating scene. Right. Because first, Kara wouldn't pay him any attention at all. Then he got that alien that was playing him in season two. And then it's like, so, yeah, I, I kind of would like for Wynn to actually get like a serious relationship in the future with somebody because, you know, that that would be nice for him. I, I would like that. But uh, no, Monel. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> we probably should talk a little bit about Monel and the Legion. How cool is it that Legion. we got the Legion? Yeah, the Legion of superheroes on TV. No, well, three of them. Just, well, just three. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the others died in right. stasis. You know? Right. They, they couldn't afford to have the full Legion, so we got three. <laughs> but because uh, that's the thing, like they were never clear originally. Like I was like, wait, so you're fighting Rain? Why aren't you guys? waking up the rest of the legion and it was several episodes later when they were like oh they're sick with this blight and so we had to keep them in stasis and i'm like oh okay you should have explained that like five episodes ago but <laughs> at least that explains it yeah but wouldn't they have no longer been sick when yeah once, Wait. The, once they killed blight they they they, <laughs> yeah, they, they even said like oh yeah we we checked them in stasis and they're not sick anymore and it's like okay well why not wake them up no. Yeah, they're they're having a good sleep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, at that point, they thought they were just going back to the future, and so I guess they figured it wasn't worth waking them up in the past and creating more chances for things to change. That's okay. My daughter was freaking out when Monel just like hands out that technology he has to that Kryptonian kid, you know, and she's like, "What?" Because <laughs> you know, the Flash has trained her now to like think that like all changes to the timeline are horrible. She's like, <laughs> "You can't give her that." 
<laughs> or, you know, can't get that kid that. And it's like, I, you know, and Supergirl apparently changing time is okay. You know, save <laughs> kids that would have died anyway. You know, it's not, no, no ramifications at all. Well, Teacher, you know, it's going to be just the same. Yeah, but to be fair, Monel wasn't aware that there were these survivors of Krypton floating around out there. So maybe they don't make it. And yeah, so, possibly. You know, <laughs> yeah, maybe f- he knows. He's like, you know what? They're going to. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and enjoy the tech. It's not the kid, going to the, the kid. The kid doesn't last another year. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I will say this, though. I, I know it's not uncommon in the Superman mythos for more Kryptonians to turn up. I don't like it. I Again, I, I like when these characters really are rare. You know, and it's like, oh, like, Superman is the last Kryptonian. Or, you know, with Carl, okay, there's, there's two Kryptonians, you know, but it's like, oh, you know, not only was there a prison full of evil Kryptonians, now we've got, like, a whole asteroid full, you know? It's like, ah. There was a major storyline, I think, a couple years ago in Supergirl uh, in the comics, and I think it bled over to Superman and all the Superbooks, where this huge crossover where Supergirl found her mother and uh, and some Kryptonians, and then those Kryptonians just uh, like kind of pull went heel and decided that they wanted to claim like they couldn't live on where they were which is kind of what's going on now. So they decide, hey, Earth is pretty cool. So they come into Earth and yeah, then they kind of invade that way. And I know we've kind of already had that storyline a little bit with, you know, Kara's aunt doing the same thing. But to go up against her mother as the big bad in some ways would be kind of interesting, I think. Well, it would be kind of interesting if they would remember the fact that Nan is still on Earth. When season one ended, he was blinded, but he wasn't dead. He's still on Earth somewhere, and they've just completely forgotten that Nan is still there. So is Indigo, by the way. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, Lucy we... is hunting them. <laughs> yeah, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, oh, and we finally see Fort Ross again in this season. It's like, what happened to... Because all... all of Nan's men went into Fort Ross, but it's like, oh, just like everybody's dead in Fort Ross now. You know, <laughs> it's... Just sort of tie up all those season one loose ends. Uh, but, um, yeah, I'm sorry. Back to... Back to Mono. <laughs> <laughs> so uh mike how do you feel about monel's return to the series and his interaction with Kara? well i you know i don't like Kara being like the third wheel so that was not very interesting to watch and you know i don't i can't say that i was really rooting for these two i think i was rooting more for them in this in the last season than this season but I, I just felt like it's only temporary, and I don't know. I, I just I thought the use of the Legion was kind of interesting, and and I and I'm I'm glad they finally got him the suit. Like when he put on the, I'm like, why did it take you so long <laughs> to put on the Monel suit? Because that's working for you. But I'll tell you the one thing that really confused me was the whole like cape as a weapon thing. Yeah. I was like, where yes. did cape this tricks. come from? <laughs> like this is just ridiculous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like, you know, they they lost probably 20 minutes of Martian Manhunter special effects to do the cape effect. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, Kira, I'm going to teach you how to use your cape as a weapon. And I'm like, seriously? Like, that is nothing she needs to, you know, obviously they had to make it like play out a couple times. But (laughs) I was just like, that's ridiculous. The woman can lift like a city block. 
she's going to use her cape as a weapon. Yeah. You see, I didn't mind Kara's reaction to Monel returning because for her, this is still fairly recent. Yeah. And to be sort of floored with the guy that she was worried was dead and that she was in love with to come back and for him to be married. Yeah. You yeah. know, that that should be a shocking thing and that should be something that she has a hard time dealing with. But for Monel to be like, oh, yeah, I've been married all these years, but oh, Kara. It's like that internet meme with the guy walking with the girlfriend. He's got his like, he's turned around <laughs> looking at the girl walking the other way. It's like, <laughs> it's like the physical manifestation of that meme. And, you know, I just, it just felt, you know, it was the same way that I kind of hated Jimmy in season one, because it's like, you're already dating Lucy and it's unfair to Lucy for you to be like moping after Kara all the time, you know, be upfront. If you don't want Lucy and you want Kara break up with Lucy, you know, and it takes him a whole season to get there, you know, but it's like, I don't feel respect for a guy like that. You know, it's the same thing with this. It's like, well, I kind of like Imra, but I kind of like Kara too. You know, I just, uh. and I liked him in season two. I, I was like Ryan. I mean, I felt like they overshadowed Kara with him too much. And I felt that was a mistake, but I liked him as a character. But, and I like the fact that he's matured as far as like the hero stuff goes. But the whole relationship thing, it was like, how old are we? Well, you got to also remember this guy comes from a background where he's used to having like two or three women on his arm. No. So for him to like go, oh, I can kind of have two maybe or maybe that's wrong. I'm confused. <laughs> what? Like like that. I, I could deal with that because, I mean, that's where <laughs> that's his lifestyle was yeah. before he met he met Kara. Yeah, I mean. That's a fair point. We have no idea what romantic relationships on Daxum entailed. I mean, we know his parents seem to be one king and one queen, but I don't know. I mean, maybe they're like, it, it could it could be any sort of, uh, huh, yeah, I mean. Well, we know the king was Kevin Sorbo, so yeah. you know, it was very Greek. <laughs> <laughs> Anything goes kind of uh, Bacchanalia kind of thing going on. Uh, no, anyway. Yeah, Sorry, I mean, when we catch him like pants down banging the the secretary <laughs> in the copy room, we're kind of like, okay, well that's his. That's he's like, what? That was wrong. I don't understand. <laughs> That's what was so funny about season two. All the things that he just didn't realize were wrong or the times when he thought he was doing a good thing and he actually wasn't like, well, he got a job and his job was to like shake down people for a mobster. He thought Kara would be happy that he got a job. <laughs> Come on, man, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I did like his heart to heart with Jean. <laughs> I did like that scene, but that's because I think Jean like works well with everybody. <laughs> but it's just sort of like the whole thing with like Jean being like, I don't really like you, but I guess because <laughs> you're talking to me, I'll kind of talk to you. <laughs> I mean, he didn't say that, but it's just his whole demeanor. You can tell that John really doesn't like Monel that much. I, I, I tell you, well, it's a the, good thing you're pretty. Right. The, the, the sequence where John has to be Kara for a while, that was really well done. That was that was fun. Yeah. Didn't they do that multiple times this season, or am I or am I misremembering? I think there was only one real time where he was going, like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't ever want to do that." Right. Yeah. 
Which you don't ever ask me to do that again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like, when she was saying she was sick. Yeah. And that's yeah, and for that's a pretty crappy reason. You know? right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like national security to protect your secret identity, really. It's just, you know. My only problem with that was that it was obviously played for laughs, and the fact of the matter is, Jean should have been much better at imitating her because not only is he very observant and has done the role of a secret agent for like thirty years, but he can also read people's minds. So he should be able to, like, read what Lena expects Tara to be like and to act like that. You know, I, I don't know. I just I just had a problem with that. Yeah, that's a fair point. They do forget that he has that ability a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, guys, that's an ability you don't have to spend any money on. So let John <laughs> use it. Just touch your temple. You know, you've got right. it. Oh... <laughs> <sighs> Uh, so how about you, uh, uh, Ryan? Were there any characters we haven't talked about yet that you wanted to talk about? Well, I mean, yeah, I agree. We could talk more about Emra. I'd be, I'd be <laughs> fine with that. <laughs> I mean, She's definitely you know, easy to look I, at. I, I, uh. <laughs> I'm going to get like punched for saying this uh, when my wife listens to this, but I'm trying to remember exactly how she phrased it. But when Emra came on screen, she was like, yeah, I, I can see leaving Kara for her. But she phrased it in such a way as like, one of those comments where she'll say something and it, my jaw will just drop. And then I know if I ever repeat it like I'm doing now, <laughs> I will get in trouble, you know, but I'm doing it anyway. Well, see, or, Emra's the double threat because not only is she easy on the eyes, but she has that accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could listen to that accent all day. <laughs> I, and, you know, uh, as far as Monal's relationship with Kara, I, I get the sense that I guess maybe it's because... She was his first true love. She was the one who made him become a better person. So I could get how there would be a lingering sort of what if there, and because the relationship was cut off, you know, so well. And I liked that the season ended not with so much of a, a will they, won't they, but with a, you know, they almost did, but they're not gonna, but they're, they're, they've got this intimacy, this closeness, but get over it. It's not going to happen, even though they might have wanted to well as long as in real life those two have a relationship i'm sure we're going to see monel back on the show and more and more uh romantic awkwardness to come (laughs) which is disappointing because i would like them to just basically be like hey this is something that's just not going to happen and move on but I, i have a bad feeling that it's not going to happen that way well, maybe she needs another love interest. I don't know. Well, see, I mean, here's the problem. Kara doesn't get love interest. She gets disciples. I mean, because it's like, you look at the way, like, <laughs> Wynn and, and Jimmy treated her in season one. It was like she was the unattainable goddess, right? And now it's Monel, who it's like, you weren't only my first real love, Kara. You were my inspiration. You were my, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like always this reverential, worshipful love. And it just all feeds into that that core problem I have with how she's presented in this show is she's completely perfect you know and it would be nice for someone it would be nice for her to have a relationship that's a little more equal uh, i know it, not necessarily in a physical like sense because obviously you know without a kryptonian and well she could find one now because the asteroid but <laughs> you know but but we don't want to have another kryptonian on the show because we don't want somebody to overshadow her physically so it's like but but someone who's a little more on a level footing with her like emotionally and mentally you know uh, uh, that's what i'd like 
she needs to meet civilian Kara needs to meet someone right. like all her disciples know that she is Supergirl that she has these powers and that's part of the I mean Wynn was attracted to Kara even before he knew but by and large once he found out that she had superpowers the deal was sealed and so yeah I, he she needs to bump into someone with her glasses on she needs to find like a maybe, maybe the I don't know do an episode where she loses her powers you know for for the course of the episode and she has to live like a human and she meets someone like that and yeah, I think that would be the route to go. But but please, Berlanti people, if you're listening to this, do not do a relationship with her and Brainiac. I know you kind no. of tried to hit that way. <laughs> I don't want it. But again, that's the same oh, problem. No, he knows no, her no, as a supergirl. He knows her as a supergirl. I mean someone who doesn't right. know her secret identity. No, no, no. No, no I know. But I'm just saying because I remembered that, oh, yeah, they had that whole awkwardness between him and her where it seemed like he kind of had a thing for her also. And I was just like, oh, yeah, guys, don't. We want her to move on, but don't have her move on that way. Yes, let's give him a human love interest and name him Lucas Lane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because that wouldn't feel weird at all. (laughs) Fine, would you prefer Lucas Luthor? uh, It'll be like that Red Dwarf episode. They open a portal to an Earth where all the men are women and all the women are men. (laughs) (laughs) And Lucas is the Lucy Lane of his universe or something. (laughs) Or the Lois. Could go either way. Oh, that's weird. Anyway. Anyone else have anything to say about Imra? Nah. Okay, Mike, was there anyone that we haven't mentioned that you wanted to talk about? You know, I was trying to think of other than Rain. You know, we got a lot of villains again this year, and I was trying to think of somebody who really stood out. And to be honest, I, I, I was having a hard time. I don't think they really gave us a lot of great other just one-and-done villains. And sometimes those are fun, but... Like I said, I'm just trying to think of some and, and, and any that were memorable, but I'm I'm coming up blank, and if let's, you guys can think of somebody, but uh, I thought the two other women that they had playing the World Killers were like were kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but other than that, yeah, I, I can't think of any that just really were great. Yeah, I like that the uh, the the pestilence one yes. like actually liked it, like like wanted to be that. Uh, yes, yeah, that was a surprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and the way they they played that, you know, trying to guess which person it was and everything that was that was well done. No, I agree because I mean, yeah, so often on this show. Um, you know, it's like the the moral questions are a little too easy and everything. So it was kind of nice for them to actually place and 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 most of the villains like actually have like some good in them. And so it was kind of nice for the one. It was like, oh no, even like the human person that used to be pestilence was like, no, I I I I want this because I've seen too much bad stuff in my life and I just want to kill people now. (laughs) So that was a refreshing change of pace. And like you say, the 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 sort of mystery aspect to it like kind of elevated that episode as well yeah but usually they're i mean the the first couple seasons they were really good about bringing in a character i'd be like wow as a dc fan i never thought i'd see this character and you know i i just didn't feel that they did that a lot at least on on supergirl this season which i was kind of disappointed by i thought you know i always like uh the dcu is so vast and i know that supergirl probably doesn't have a huge rogues gallery but you know for them to pull from but i i i was kind of hoping for a a few more geek out moments for me Mm. i i've been saying for a long time that i want lobo on the show but he was just announced for krypton so they're probably not going to have him on a different show yeah probably not because I really feel like Lobo, with his sort of misogynistic, 
you know, uh, uh, you know, attitude and everything would be kind of an interesting juxtaposition with Kara and, and the way that this show is, is to have that sort of loudmouth biker, <laughs> you know, kind of character. Yeah. And then to, who's as, almost as strong as Kara, you know, just tearing up the town for some reason or other and having her have to face that. I think that would be a lot of fun, but oh well. We're gonna we're gonna put it on Snoresville Krypton instead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe he'll liven things up. Who knows? Well, I mean, we didn't talk about Selena any. You know, I I don't really know what there is to really talk about her, except for the fact that she pulled the strings, and it's kind of just dumb luck that she managed to get to Earth. Anyways, it, it, that could have gone. Yeah, yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure what her plan was there. I think that's an example of the writers made up the plan as they went along in the season and yeah. didn't plan it out ahead of time. Because I I I'm yeah. Well, because even the whole thing with Rain seemed to morph midway through the season. Because originally it was just like Rain is basically. Uh, the Punisher version of Supergirl. Like, I'm going to bring justice, I'm going to eradicate sin. But then it became, oh no, she's going to like get rid of the humans to terraform the Earth for Kryptonians. It was like, uh, that didn't seem to be what the, where we were going with this. You know, it seems like you'd sure yeah. to change things up, uh, you know, midway through. And I, I much preferred the first one. Uh, the first idea of Kara basically having to fight this person that that is trying to, in some way get rid of the bad stuff you know but but is doing it in such a horrible and, and brutal way you know i do think the previews for or what i've learned of four i do think we're getting somebody like that yeah no that's true yeah um, I, th- I think i mean brent uh, spiner's coming in so yeah. oh is brent spiner th- coming in yeah, yeah, I saw that today. Oh. Is but, he going to play Brainiac's dad? No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, he's, he's actually but, supposed to be like the vice president or something like that. Oh, okay. Oh, gotcha. But I think we're supposed to get Manchester Black. Okay. Who could be really fun. I know we're getting like uh, Agent something or other. Agent of Liberty Agent or something of Liberty, like yeah, that. Yeah, who he's like, uh, like a get rid of aliens kind of character. Yeah. Which we've had a lot of those. And it's played by Sam Witwer, so that's going to be... Again, that's another... Uh, in small, He was uh, Doomsday in Smallville. Yep. Yep. So, you know, it's just another one. You know, thinking of characters to mention, the one thing that I will mention, which this is kind of a, a negative, is, you know, I was never very happy with their version of Livewire in Supergirl. <laughs> I... And to be fair, my... My origin with Livewire was from the Superman the Animated Series, where she just seemed like a much more dynamic character, and I always felt like this version of Livewire was kind of like, kind of boring, and they didn't let up on that this season, where it's like, really? She's going to work in a diner because she's scared? (laughs) You know? But then it's like, oh, but then she dies saving Supergirl's life, and really, she really loves Supergirl in the end, and I was just kind of like, ugh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's not how i wanted to see live wire you know in the show <laughs> i i wanted the the loud mouth you know character who was always trying to prove she was better than you know supergirl in this version but you know superman in the in the animated show but anyway yeah. so any episodes that uh, were standouts um i know mike already mentioned the midvale episode which i liked also, I thought that was cool, and I also like that they sort of highlighted some real-world issues, like the, the teacher, you know, with the student, their inappropriate relationship, and some stuff like that, and so, sure. yeah, I thought that that worked out pretty well. It was then nice to see the dynamic of the young Alex and, and Kara. And then bringing him back later on, and uh, or the, the callback. Um, right, yeah, I mean, yeah. he was kind yeah. of a throwaway, yeah. but yeah, it was. they at least showed that, yeah, they kind of were paying attention, and, and her first thought was, oh yeah, it's this guy trying to get revenge. 
But Ryan, were there any other standout episodes for you? Well, I, I wouldn't say there's so much standout episodes, but there were some standout moments. Uh, first off, I, I, I don't know why, but I really love Rain's Fortress of Solitude, like the desert, rocky, out in the middle of nowhere. I don't know. Because, we're, because we're it's the yin get... and the yang instead of the Arctic, yeah, like exactly. Superman. It was it's, completely right. obvious. Right. But, you know. And it was black but instead it... of white, and it was in the desert instead of the snow, and yeah. But at least it was a fortress. I mean, we... Kara, I guess she, I guess she's not allowed to go to Cal L's, but you know, once once every four years or something like that. Have you seen the Lego Batman movie? Yes, it's all the security there. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kara's not allowed in. Uh, I yeah, the Fort Ross episode was okay, but then that's because I, unlike you, I like Livewire. But uh, I'd have to say one of my as strange as it sounds, I loved it when Rain took down Supergirl. That that she kicked her ass you know? and i don't know because it just showed it every now and then a show will do that and it'll it'll for a moment i will believe that there the stakes are real and that the hero can get hurt and can die and that's it's hard for me to get there to have that moment of just <gasps> of holding my breath but it got me there no i definitely agree with that rain episode and again i i've said i say this every berlanti show they set up the villain so well, and it's and it's usually on the back half where it's a letdown. It happened with the Flash. Yeah, when Zoom took down Flash, that's right. exactly what it reminded mm-hmm. me of. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yep, exactly. But even this season, I felt like with Devoe, Devoe was so strong in the first half of the season, and then they like backpedaled so hard in the second half. So yeah, no, I and then yeah, with that fight was just as intense as you would want it to be between Rain and Kara. And yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's the thing. That's why I thought for sure that Superman was going to have to come into it. Because I'm like, if she can clean Kara's clock that easily, it's like she needs a helper. You know, she needs somebody else to come in here and help her out with him, uh, with her. But she did, but it ended up being Samantha <laughs> split from Rain to be the person. That, but anyway. And James, did you have uh, an episode that was kind of a standout for you? You know, Really, it was, honestly, it was the episode towards the end there with John working, like, with his dad when, like, he was trying to, when they were coming together to, like, get the memories and things like that to pass down, like, that culture and everything. Like, I felt like that was so powerful. I mean, any episode where they touched on, like, that struggle for John with his father, like, was really touching to me. I was just like, because that is, it's it's a real struggle, like, a lot of people go through with their loved ones. Um, And I thought they did it in such a very unique way with Jean and the fact that you know his father says you know you I'm, I'm proud of the person you are and who you've become and that you stand for the weak and and I have to do this I was like oh it's my heartstrings why <laughs> yeah yeah someone was cutting onions during uh, some of those <laughs> right <laughs> well yeah even like Jean's inability to accept it at first was such a real emotion of we don't need to do that you're gonna be around for a long time dad you know <laughs> like, like, like you, you've been doing better ever since you started meditating it's fine you know right yeah i mean yeah I, oh god uh, all of that <laughs> <laughs> and, but i did like the other thing though that i absolutely loved was how the dad messed with him that one time like mentioning the invisible friend <laughs> it's like ah just kidding <laughs> but for me uh since you guys took most of the ones i was gonna say the one uh that i thought was really interesting even though i thought the ending didn't work as well was the idea of a supergirl cult because that's one of those things we don't normally think about is it's like, here's somebody who has these, she can fly around. She's invulnerable to all these kinds of damage and whatever. Like people are going to develop a sort of religious, like 
fervor around someone like that because a lot of those qualities are things like angels or other things that people have like sort of spiritual or mystical like thoughts about and you know so i liked the idea of the whole supergirl cult and you know even the thing about people putting themselves in danger and whatever so that they could be saved by her and everything i thought that that was you know an interesting way to go with it like always with kryptonite i got kind of frustrated because it seems like like the power that somebody has when exposed to kryptonite is always variable dependent on whatever the plot requires (laughs) so it's like sometimes kryptonite makes it so that you can't move at all other times kryptonite makes it so that you have the strength of a normal human other times kryptonite's like oh it makes you groan a little bit but you're still super strong and can move things and do whatever you know (laughs) so i always i'm always frustrated by kryptonite plot and have been ever since I was a little kid um, with all the different incarnations of Superman and, and whatnot. It's the different shades. It's not that it's just green versus red. It's what shade of green <laughs> that it is. You know? Yeah, it's more pure, more pure kryptonite. Yeah. It's, it's more of yeah. a problem. That's a hunter green kryptonite. <laughs> so, you know, that's an evergreen kryptonite, you know. So, 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 the, so the resolution of that episode frustrated me a little bit just because of that kind of factor. But I liked the cult and I liked the idea of the cult. And I hope that they do try to think more out of the box kind of things for, you know, the, the character to experience, you know, going forward. Because, you know, that's not, that's not like a usual thing that I'm used to seeing in... You know, any of the media that I've... I'm sure in the comics at some point in the last, you know, 70 years they've done that, but <laughs> I've never seen it done, so... Um, I would like to see something like, you know, interesting like that again. But yeah, I think uh, we kind of talked Super, uh, Super, uh, Superman... Supergirl <laughs> Season 3 to death here. Do you guys have anything else that you wanted to say about the season? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I just... I just want to know if anyone in in the last episode or two when um, Kara's mom was in her uniform, if anyone else just couldn't get Zap Brennigan out of their head. <laughs> I don't know. That, it, looked, <laughs> it looked like she was wearing a velour outfit. You know? I, I wasn't thinking that way, but now I'll never be able to unthink it. So. <laughs> Quickly, we must save the people. <laughs> well, now that they've got a working portal to the asteroid, they might as well just let all the Kryptonians move there. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. I feel like they've written themselves into a weird corner here with this whole city of Kryptonians that's still around. and Just, just move them all to Earth, but still don't tell Superman right. that there's other Kryptonians. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Clark. Quietly. You know he can hear you. Well, it's, be, it's because every time Car texts him, he just comes out with new phone. Who dis? You know, so. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I really have no idea what they're gonna do with Car because, like, the whole idea of her being the fish out of water and not feeling at home on Earth is kind of like a moot point now. Because whenever she feels that way, she can just pop over to you know the asteroid and just hang out with Kryptonians now. So. I don't know. So bring her over to the main, to Earth 1. Problem solved. (laughs) (laughs) Well, next year we do get bad Kara. So that should be fun, I hope. Yeah, that seemed odd. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. (laughs) Yeah, I have no, there's no reason that I can think of that we do have bad Kara. But we do have bad Kara. Right. So we've established that we've got her. And uh, I hope she can, I hope she's more interesting than Earth X Kara. Because she, Earth X Kara was kind of disappointing to me a little bit. 
you know, bad Kara could be kind of fun. Yeah, well, I just found that was interesting that in a society that was predicated on the, the strong rule of the week, that Earth X Kara was still subservient to Oliver Queen. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't get that one at all. I'm like... <laughs> you because bought- he's got the kryptonite arrow, you know? <laughs> Maybe. Wow. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Read into that what you will, you know? Exactly. But, I mean, I was wondering if, like, you know, bad, bad car, if, like, maybe we're going to do, like, some sort of bizarro thing or something like that. But they already I, I did it know. in season one. In fact, she's but, still alive and they've just never done anything more with her. But that wasn't bizarro, bizarro. You know, that was that thing. <laughs> well, you're thinking of the same episode. It's the one where Maxwell Lord clones her and it becomes right. bizarro. But they not eat, like. They give her the name bizarro. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Yes, he, she had the name Bizarro, but it wasn't, you know, from like like the the comic book, the mythos Bizarro type origin. Well, I think I think at least post Crisis, Bizarro was a clone of Superman that just degraded. So I think they were just doing a female spin on the same idea. But uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> remember DC continuity changes every few years, right? Yeah. <laughs> I also really hope that uh, with season four, they don't give us this huge gap in between episodes like they did with uh, this earlier this spring. I thought, you know, having Legends kind of take over that slot for a month or two, like, just kind of took me out of it. And by the time it came back, I was like, well, I do like this show. And I, in fact, I like it better than I like Legends. But I just feel like the, the momentum is off. Like, they didn't end it with a proper cliffhanger. They just kind of it was just another episode. Like, I don't think they planned to have an, uh, a gap like that. Well, you, and you I know just, what happened, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I know why, but I just hope that that's not something that they do again. I hope oh, that I they, they just will. give us a, a nice run of episodes. Maybe, you know, I wouldn't even mind them doing a shorter season. 23 seems like a lot of episodes for them. And not, of all, not all of them are winners. Uh, I think they might be able to be a little tighter with the storytelling if they were, I, I, you know, maybe even a half season. They could, they could, you know, save some money that way, really do it upright, and give us more powerful storytelling. Yeah, but I think that the CW has decided that the DC CW shows are one of their big rating straws, and so they're, oh, sure. they're cranking out the 23 per season as much as they can. Like, Legends inches up a little more every year, and, <laughs> and Supergirl, Arrow, and Flash are all 23, so... Yeah, in fact, I'm wondering if Black Lightning might be more than 13 this year. I haven't heard uh, any word on that one. Yeah, I know it's re- it getting a second season, but I don't know how long it was, but... So, yeah, we'll see on that. But, well, the thing is, if Black Lightning is written like last year, then I'm fine with them increasing the episodes. It's just, it seems like Berlanti is juggling so many things, and I'm not sure that they can keep the quality up on all of them. You know, they keep dropping balls, so we'll see. And then Batwoman coming down the pipe. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah. They're also adding Batwoman, yeah. I'm telling you, the CW, we're just waiting for the rebranding to the (laughs) DC channel. (laughs) Pretty much. Oh. So. They've got what six DC shows on right now. That's a lot. Yep. I mean, that's half their programming. Right, and with the, with the seventh on the way. So yeah, amazing. Yeah, and then that there's all those shows DC is doing for their own streaming service. So DC's really like trying to crank out as much TV as they can. I guess they're trying to compete with Marvel on TV because they know they can't in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> 
But, uh, yeah, all right, so, yeah, let's wrap out with saying any hopes or thoughts for Season 4. So, uh, Mike, do you want to start us off and uh, just anything that you're uh, hoping to see in Season 4 or something that you would uh, like to see? Um, well, so far, you know, I'm not huge on, you know, news, so I don't know exactly who's been casted, and I've just heard things here and there so i don't know if this is true if manchester black does make an appearance and and has more than one episode uh i think that would be outstanding Uh, he's a great character in the comics and and i think he would be a great foil because he's not as extreme as lobo and he's got some charm to him so maybe i could see that really playing off with with kara's character very well so i would like to see that i'm hoping for good things from bad kara uh i know that you know i i enjoyed most of what i watched in smallville but the first time they did an episode with red kryptonite and and tom got to play the flip side like blew me away at how good he was and kind of i'm kind of hoping that melissa gets that chance too and just has fun with it and if that's the case then we could have a lot of fun this season all right ryan how about you uh anything that you're either hoping to see or you would like to see in this season we've touched on a lot of it in one form or the other oh i do want to just real quick give props to Lori metcalf as win's mom i thought that was great <laughs> that woman is everywhere it's like she's on the big bang theory <laughs> <Of course>. roseanne <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, she, she, uh, when she, I saw her on the screen, it's okay. Yeah. She never doesn't have work. I mean, she must have be doing it, her kit, redoing her kitchen every other week. The problem was I kept <laughs> making snide comments about her other son. <laughs> who lived in California. <laughs> <laughs> Shelly, you need to meet Shelly. She- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I would love, some guests from earth one to that's that's a given uh, anytime I, I i don't know for some reason i'd love to see the dynamic with between supergirl and john constantine i think that would just be an interesting uh, <laughs> pairing you know and him with the rest of the the crew i want more superman just have him show up doesn't even have to be to save the day just to visit you know and uh lastly i would really love for them to revisit some of the stuff from season one like lucy or red tornado or max lord you know just I don't know. They did on Earth X. They revisited Red Tornado, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you're going to (laughs) get. Apparently. (laughs) That's just mean. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You just took mine, but that's fine. All right, James, what about you? Um, I would like to see them discover X Kryptonite and Kara have Streaky the Cat. (laughs) And then it'll just be complete. It'll be wonderful. Okay. <laughs> oh, I want Cara to look at her rent bill, you know, and like how, figure out how she affords that place. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm a blogger. How am I doing this? Because I'm a blogger and I can't afford anything. <laughs> no, that's Iris. Iris is the blogger. Kara is still supposedly a reporter. We just never see her doing it. She never goes to work. But it's okay. She, she doesn't have to ever show up at work because she's besties with both her boss and the boss of the parent corporation. So it's fine. <laughs> just one episode of her going to, you know, her boss at the DEO is Supergirl and being like, yeah, so I'm a little low on scratch right now. Uh, could you help me pay my rent? <laughs> like they call her in because she submitted receipts for you know her heating bill you know? <laughs> we have one episode of homeless supergirl um <laughs> no in in seriousness like i would like to see a little like i don't know like i felt there were times that season three and i mean they they even had this problem a little bit in season two not too bad but i felt i felt like season three kind of did this weird like back and forth a little bit where just i i got 
I, I don't know. I got taken out of the universe when there were like these weird like relationship things that they would like kind of focus on and then get away from. They wouldn't like focus on it long enough for like a real resolution at all. And so I know that's like a pl- uh, like a plot device to build drama. And I hate drama generally. So I probably shouldn't watch TV. But <laughs> I was like, like, I would like a little more uh, like if you're going to focus on a particular issue, like really focus on the issue. You know, don't drop it off for like four or five episodes and then come back to it and be like, oh, yeah, by the way, you remember that thing? I would like to see a little more continuity in the writing there. But I am excited to see like who they're bringing in for villains. I am interested in like bad guy Kara um, in terms of, you know, is like, I don't know. Immediately when I saw when I saw that at the end of the, the season, I was like, are they doing like Red Sun Superman, but with Supergirl? Because like, I'd be OK with that. That's that could be interesting. The only problem with that, though, is this Supergirl is full grown and it's. And it's modern Russia. It's not Soviet Russia. So I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like so it's, it's like Putin's Russia. All right. Yeah. I don't feel like it's as interesting as the idea of what if we went to another Earth where Kara was raised as a Soviet. That would be a whole lot more interesting than I am cold. I am cold water Kara. How are yeah. you? <laughs> That's Earth Y. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, maybe she's a result of the time change. I don't know how that creates that, but okay. Sure. You know what? The Flash can't explain it. Why should anybody else? When you consider the fact that there should be like nine or ten different Flashes and reverse Flashes running around (laughs) in that house. (laughs) Crowded living room. But because, you're right, in that living room, but because they are never consistent with whether you double up when you go back in time or whether you replace your past self when you go back in time, it, it, it ended up not being that way, but. Just nine flashes are standing in the room vibrating going, do, do you move first or do you move right. first? Because I don't know what I move. In front of us. <laughs> all, all the different thorns and berries are just like staring at each other. <laughs> oh, this is number nine's turn. Okay, yeah, we got to sit this one out. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've already mentioned Lobo, of course, and like Ryan, I really would love for them to revisit. Well, Maxwell Lord is the one who I really want them to revisit. You know, I had this weird thought when Alex wanted to be a mother that maybe, like, she'd go to Max for uh, the genetic material. (laughs) Since they sort of had a (laughs) a weird... uh, You know, connection, but, you know, but Lucy, it would be also be nice for them to even acknowledge that Lucy ever existed, because, you know, they haven't for two years. <laughs> In fact, for them to even acknowledge that the DEO has that whole other facility, that would be kind of nice for them to, you know, acknowledge that it existed. But, uh, yeah, I guess besides that, yeah, I think uh, just having Kara move on from Mono, like we mentioned, uh, you know, maybe finding a, a new love interest, like I say, just someone who's more, who's less worshipful and more, like, I like Kat's son. When she was dating him. But of course that's not going to happen because that was her real life husband (laughs) (laughs) that she divorced. But I liked their relationship. (laughs) So something like that, but with someone else. (laughs) And then of course we'll see if they do that. If it's just like Melissa can't help but fall in love with the guys that she's in love with on the show. If she suddenly breaks up with uh, the actor who plays Manel. <laughs> he dies. Manel dies next week. You know, painfully and grotesquely. You know. His cape chokes him. You know. um, but uh, I, I guess really, if I really had my druthers, what I'd want them to do is kidnap Callista Flockhart 
and <laughs> fly her up to Vancouver yes, and yes, just yes. <laughs> you don't leave. <laughs> Harrison can do without you for nine months. It's okay. You know? <laughs> so, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I don't really have too much that's concrete there, but cat. Cat. But uh, otherwise, if you're not going to have cat, I kind of agree. Get rid of cat co, because watching Jimmy do nothing in that office is not... <laughs> it's disrespectful. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> He's been there this whole time trying to figure out how to work the remotes for the 12,000 TVs. <laughs> Yeah, see, that's another thing, though, that I don't get, because at the end of last season, Kat was all like, moved Jimmy's things out of the office and was kind of talking like she was going to stay. And again, it's like, Berlanti, why did you guys write her saying those things if you didn't have her locked into a contract of some kind? You know, I didn't expect her to be a regular, but I thought she'd at least appear, you know, like again, be a semi-regular this season. And it was just kind of like, I, I don't... I don't get why they paint themselves into those corners where they where they set things up and that but don't already have the you know the contracts lined up and, and this isn't the only show where that's happened you know like the whole reason you know uh, a snart is dead in the flash is because they didn't they didn't knock lock uh, Wentworth Miller down or um uh Wally right yeah they didn't lock Wally down either so uh, uh, Berlanti. <laughs> anyway all right so um yeah let's uh say goodbye and uh let people know where they can find us so um james why don't you start off people can find me at roman on the rocks on twitter or on facebook at roman on the rocks or my website at roman on the rocks i know it's really quite simple (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's been great and uh i love all this nerd stuff and talking to you guys about it so it's been awesome being here tonight yeah, it's always great having you on, James. And uh, we'll definitely have you on uh, more podcasts to come. I'm thinking to do a more video game ones, too. Yeah! <laughs> I knew you'd be in for that. All right, so, uh, Mike, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you online? Uh, so once again, it's my pleasure. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate talking to you guys. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you can find me every week talking about this kind of nonsense on the uh, Earth Station One podcast. And uh, other than that, uh, you can check out uh, the new book that will be soon to be released, the uh, ESO Tales of the Station Anthology, Anthology Volume 3 will be uh, completed very soon. Very excited. Uh, you can check out all my other writing and, and other just scribbles at newlegendmike.com. All right. And Ryan, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Well, uh, yeah, not going to say goodbye. I never do that. However, until next time, uh, you can find me at on Twitter at GeekStranger, although, you know, I'm more of a Facebook guy, but from there you can find my Facebook. So that works out great. <laughs> you could also go to the website, geekstranger.com, which surprisingly I have not updated uh, in the three days <laughs> since last time I mentioned I haven't updated it, you know, but I, someday something <laughs> will happen. In the fullness know? of time. <laughs> in the fullness of time. Yeah. It, it might be one of those Mandela effect things where suddenly my website is suddenly all up to date with these reviews and I have no idea how it happened. Uh, or maybe it's a Barry. I'll blame Barry. <laughs> but it will happen. <laughs> Damn it, Barry. Damn it, Barry. <laughs> you can <laughs> always blame Barry. That's right. Yeah. Even when it's good, you know, it's like... I got extra fries in my bag. Damn it, Barry. (laughs) All right. Well, Ryan, James, and Mike, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And there you have it. Another episode of the 42 cast has reached its conclusion. We hope that you liked the episode, and you can let us know if you did in a variety of ways. One way is to visit our website at 42cast.com and leave some feedback. You can also go to our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash 42cast, and leave a comment. 
You can tweet to us at at 42cast. You can also email us at everything at 42cast.com. Or you can leave us a review on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. And I do want to say again that we love getting the reviews on iTunes. And the more reviews that we get, the more that the show is elevated and suggested to other iTunes users. So I'd really appreciate if you're enjoying the show to give us a review on iTunes so that that'll happen. And hopefully more people will listen to the show and will continue to get bigger and bigger all the time. I also wanted to remind everyone that uh, we have been contributing episodes to the ESO Patreon. Uh, We are a proud member of the Earth Station One network, and so uh, we do uh, some bonus episodes from time to time for the Patreon. So uh, if you want to have the 42 cast continue, and if you want all the other shows on the ESO network to continue, uh, think about contributing to that Patreon. Beyond that, I realize that this episode is coming out pretty late because Supergirl Season 4 has already finished its halfway point, and in fact, it's going to come back in just a week after this podcast episode airs. I'm working my best to get back on track. We'll be doing several TV show episodes uh, over the course of the uh, next few weeks, and uh, hopefully I will clean out my backlog and get all caught up again so that these episodes are airing before the new season of these shows uh, comes out. But with that being said, I think it's time to wrap out, so come back next week when Goran Vizhnik will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You've been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2018. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. Theme music is sharper swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.